Okay, that means nobody can fall asleep. If you want to take God's word, turn to Hebrews chapter 10 a while. Hebrews chapter 10. The date was October 24th, 1929. Stock market crash. Great Depression. 37,000 businesses went belly up. The unemployment rate was 24%. Suicide rate jumped dramatically. Divorce went through the roof. Fast forward to 2018. In spite of our prosperity, many people in America are living under a cloud of depression. They carry this weight of disappointment and discouragement and people are crying out that life is not fair. Careers, people have felt like have gone nowhere. Relationships are in chaotic pain. Sin has gripped their souls. And I know many Christians today that feel like God has not lived up to his end of the relationship. Now, just so you know, you're not alone. The Bible is full of men and women who are discouraged. Job says this, better is the day of my death than the day of my birth. Think he was down? Jonah, after God did a miraculous thing, asked God to kill him. He was so depressed and discouraged. Moses, he was raised to be a pharaoh. Instead, he wandered the wilderness for 40 years with a group of people that wanted to complain every single day. The psalmist says, oh, my soul, why are you so troubled within me? And we know that discouragement often leads to depression, which often leads to despair. And if you're not discouraged this morning, I know you know someone who is. But life has a way of coming at us and not letting us go. Now, during the Great Depression, FDR made something called the New Deal. The New Deal was the attempt to get out of the Great Depression. When you think about the Old Testament and the sacrifices and the priests and everything else, God came along with a New Deal. His name was Jesus. And Jesus talks about how you can make it until your change comes. Now, Hebrews is a different book, and we can only speculate on who the author is. There's a lot of opinions about that. But the Corbett was written to a group of Jewish Christians who were ready to give up, who were ready to go back to the way it was, who were saying things like, you know, I just can't take it anymore. I turned my life over to this Jesus thing, and we're losing our friends. It's alienating us from our families. Some people are being thrown in jail. Some are being killed. And we want to go back to what is familiar. So this unnamed author says, don't go back. Don't quit. Jesus is better. There's a new arrangement. In fact, in Hebrews 10, the first part, he talks about there's this new covenant and God's going to write it on their hearts and he's going to write it in their minds. He talks about forgiveness. You no longer need a daily sacrifice of animals, but Christ is the final and complete sacrifice. He is the complete high priest. And this is where we pick the story up. Hebrews chapter 10, beginning in verse 19. You can follow with me. 
Therefore, as a consequence of this new covenant, everything he talked about beforehand, here's what he says. Brothers, and you can add sisters in there too. Since we have a confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus. You know, the holiest of holies was a place that only a special high priest could go once a year. In fact, as stories go, they would literally tie a rope to this guy. And they had bells on his clothes because if the bell stopped ringing, they knew he did something and he died. And so instead of going in and getting him, they would pull him out by the rope. But there was only one person that had access. Do you see what this author's telling us? We all have access. By a new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain. That is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God. And here's what he's saying. We as believers have better access. We have a better high priest. We can boldly enter into the holy place. And that was frightening for them because their history says that was only access to special people. So the author says this, don't casually show up. Act like you have access. Come into the holiest of holies like you belong. Because you do. There's a story about a man that was outside the White House. Very distressed, very discouraged. He's pacing back and forth. And a little boy, of course, little boys are inquisitive, comes up to him and says, what's wrong? The man says, I need to see the president. Only the president can help me, but I can't get in. So the little boy takes him by the hand, walks right through the gate, past the guards, right into the office of President Lincoln. He looks up and says, Dad, this man needs to see you. Do we realize when we're walking with the son, we can walk right into the father's office? And Jesus says, dad, they need to talk with you. Here's the first point. We should be encouraged that we have direct access to God. That's what this author is saying. You don't have to go through somebody. You don't have to go around someone. You don't have to pay anything for it. Jesus paid it all. We should be encouraged that we have direct access to God. But here's our problem. How many people do you know, and include yourself in this, that do not take advantage of the access? They'll talk around it, they'll talk about it, but they'll never go in to it. Too many people today are satisfied with what I call cute Christianity. It's fast food. They're more concerned about being liked than being in love with Jesus. But we have to realize that Jesus opened up a way for us to have access to the Father. Then they go on to say this in verse 22. Because we have this access, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Have you ever noticed... Have you ever noticed when people are discouraged, there's this temptation to pull away and hide? And what the author is saying is this. The time you do not feel like drawing near is the most important time to draw near. Don't let your emotions dictate your actions. Why? Because so often our emotions, we want to hide, we want to run, and they take us away from what we need. 
That's why the author says you have to do it with a true heart. You do it with confidence. Even when you don't feel like your confidence. Why? Because Jesus has declared us clean. Now I can imagine here this morning some of you have been listening to the wrong voices. You've been hearing voices like you're dirty. You have a past. And what you have to understand this morning is that you have complete access to the Father. Because Jesus has made you clean. He has declared you clean. So don't listen to those voices. Look at verse 23. We have direct access. We draw near. He says, let us hold fast. The word hold fast here means don't quit. The confession of our hope without wavering. Confession, our confession is Jesus. Why? For he who promised is faithful. See, the reason we don't quit and the reason we keep drawing near and the reason we keep confessing Jesus is because he is faithful. And God's word is good even when you do not feel like it is good. And here's what we forget. There's often a gap between his promise and his fulfillment of that promise. See, we want things immediate. We want things now. We want things yesterday. So we shrink back and we hide and we don't walk into the holy of holies. And what we don't realize then is we delay and lengthen the time of his fulfillment. Because if we don't go in, if we don't draw near, if we don't hold fast, We're believing the lies around us and that invades our minds and our hearts. And it lengthens the time that God can heal. Look at verse 24. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Consider means to take strategic thought. It means to plan out. It means to design. It's the idea that we wake up in the morning and say, listen, what kind of good can I do today? Who can I love? Stir means to agitate and to kiss. Again, the goal is to love and good works. There's confusion today about how we define love and good works. Two weeks ago, I talked about how love always involves truth and truth always involves love because love without truth is nothing more than enabling sin. You can call it fake truth. And truth without love is abusive and oppressive. Good's defined by God. Not us. Amen? Look at verse 25. Not neglecting to meet together, as in the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Here's the second principle. We are called to encourage one another. We are called to encourage one another. Now, you have to ask yourself, what does that word mean? First of all, the context, it's written to believers. You know what that means? If we can't encourage one another, how will we ever encourage people outside of the family of God? If we can't get along, and and two weeks ago we talked about love, last week Dr. Kime talked about serving. If we can't do these things here, why should we ever expect to communicate that and direct that to the world? And what we have to understand is that how we relate and how we get along directly impacts our witness to the world because they are watching. So what do you see? And what do they see? Now, the word encourage means to come alongside. 
It's used of the Holy Spirit, and that is translated the comforter. And I think that's misleading because we start saying, well, he's there to comfort me. It's about my comfort, and that's not what it means. It literally means and courage, to give courage. It means to come alongside, to assist, and to embolden, to strengthen. So you can love, so you can serve. So the idea is that we come alongside of each other and we make each other stronger than we can be on our own. Now let me first say this. In the church, we do not need discouragers. <laughs> Amen? I know there's some people think they have the gift of discouragement. That is not found in Scripture. The reason we don't need it in the church is because there's plenty of people out there that will discourage you. There's plenty of people outside in this world that are going to try to knock you down and take you out. Think about some news stories recently. TV star who publicly criticizes VP Mike Pence for his Christian faith, saying that he's mentally ill because of his belief in Jesus. And she made fun of his statement where he said, listen, I'm not going to meet a woman alone in a restaurant without my wife being there or somebody else. And they mocked that. And yet there's this Me Too campaign. Can't have it both ways. Wayne State University this past week decertified InterVarsity Christian Fellowship on their campus. Why? Because InterVarsity requires their leaders to be Christian. Makes sense, doesn't it? But the university says that violates their policy, even though they have over 400 student groups that have similar requirements. Closer to home, Bloomsburg, PA. Anybody from there? Nobody. Christian Bridal Shop will be closing on March 30th for two reasons. Number one is the amount of death threats they're receiving due to their belief they should not participate in same-sex weddings. Bloomsburg, as of April 1st, passed an ordinance banning discrimination based on sexual orientation, stating that religious beliefs of any owner will not be taken into account. And this is after this business won a court decision against the town. What I'm illustrating is there's plenty of people who will talk down to you. They're going to bully you with their words. Social media, they will make fun of you. But listen, people. And we know this. When you're in a hole, whether you dug it for yourself or somebody else put you there, you don't need someone to come along and kick dirt on you, do you? You don't need someone to come along and take a shovel and just say, okay, you're down in that hole. I'm going to kind of just add to your misery. And I'm going to show my age here. There's a phrase I remember growing up in the church. It's when somebody got in trouble and someone made a mistake or someone entered some kind of sinful relationship. Here's what the people said. You made your bed, now go lie in it. Now, it's funny because it's funny when I said the first phrase, a lot of you grunted. <laughs> How many people heard that phrase before? Okay. That's not very encouraging, is it? And you notice encouragement's not based upon whether the person deserves it or not. In fact, all these commands about being with one another, we do these regardless of who the people are. 
And so we're called to come alongside to strengthen, to give courage to people. What we do need is encouragers. You can amen that. (laughs) But some of you say, Pastor, I don't need to be encouraged today. Then encourage someone who does because your day's coming. (laughs) I will guarantee you every single person here is going to face discouragement. So why don't we wake up in the morning and pray a little prayer that says, Lord, who can I encourage you today? Why? Well, watch what encouragement does. Look at Romans 15. Romans 15, the first seven verses. You can turn there. You can follow on the screen. I love how this puts together, is put together by Paul. He says, we who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. And not to please ourselves. He's talking about encouragement here. If you are a strong believer, if you think you are a strong believer, then one of the consequences, you have an obligation to help encourage, to strengthen, come alongside the failings of the weak. It's not about you. So Paul says, verse two, let each of us please his neighbor for his good. To build him up, to strengthen him. Again, you start hearing this theme. Paul says, it's not about you. Verse 3, for Christ did not please himself. You're a Christ follower. You want to be like Christ. You want to be a disciple of Christ. Call whatever you want. Christ didn't please himself, so we don't please ourselves. But as it is written, the reproaches of those who are reproached, you fell on me. For whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. You see what encouragement does? We're going to talk about this in a moment. It gives us hope, doesn't it? May the God of endurance and encouragement, by the way we have access to that God, we draw near to that God. We walk into the Holy of Holies. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. We worship to knowledge of one. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. The goal of purpose is his glory, not ours. It's not about us, it's about him. The word welcome here means to accept, it means to embrace. It's just not, hi, hello, how you doing? It literally means to wrap your arms around them and to bring them into your family. So here's some key principles. Here's the third. We have a God of encouragement. Amen? If you've been listening to other voices, believing it was God, that's going to discourage you. But if you enter into the access, if you go into the Holy of Holies, if you draw near, if you hold fast, realize that God is a God of encouragement. He's going to speak to you things that will strengthen you. Next principle. Here's the fourth. God's voice, his word, gives us encouragement. That's all out of this Romans passage. Now, some of you are discouraged because you're not reading the right things. You're spending time reading all the wrong things. You've been staying away from the very word that will encourage you. That's what we just read about. 
And some of you are reading the word, but you're discouraged because you're not listening to the word. You know, the classic line is found out of Genesis 3. Did God really say that? And what that says is it's about us. We want to please ourselves and we think we know better than God. And so we're going to follow our own word and not his. And then when we get discouraged, we blame him. Or we blame somebody else. Blame our spouse. We blame our kids. We blame our job. And so we switch. We go back and forth. And we realize that nothing changes. God's voice, his word, gives us encouragement. And what does encouragement do? Here's the fifth principle. It gives us hope. Remember what it said? Through the encouragement of scriptures, we might have hope. See, hope is the joyful expectation of the future. Hope is saying that where I am going is better than where I am today. Now, we have an eternal hope, and we know that's true then, but it also can be true here that, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because thou art with me. So do you see the importance of what this author's been saying? That we have direct access to this God of encouragement. We need to draw near. We need to hold fast. We need to listen to his voice. We need to listen to his word because he will give us hope. Now here's another principle. In Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13. It says encouragement keeps us from sin. But encourage one another every day as long as it is called today. That none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. How many times you get discouraged, you start saying, well, I just might as well do it anyway because I'm already there. I give up. Messed up once, might as well mess up two, three, four times because it doesn't matter. And what scripture tells us is that when we're down and discouraged and depressed, it's really harder to say no to temptation. It's when we find ourselves in those places that we give in to voices and lies and idols that we should never give in to. But encouragement keeps us from sin. It's sin that trips us up. It delays the promise. It delays Christ working in us. It causes us not to walk into the holy holies. It causes us not to draw near, not to hold fast, and not to listen to what he has to say and listen to all the lies around us. Here's what this means. Encouragement means that you love someone enough to walk them out of their sin towards the promise. Now, I realize sin is not a popular word. You use it, you're going to get labeled. People want to discourage you from using it. They'll call you names like racists and bigot and hater. Those voices will try to keep you quiet, but it's not the loving thing. I mean, encouragement sometimes offends. I have to think about Jesus. (laughs) How today we try to make Christianity really nice and not offensive. What do you think got Jesus nailed to the cross? I mean, he offended people with the truth that he spoke in love. But let me say this again. Encouragement means that you love the person enough to walk them, walk with them out of their sin towards the promise. Kenny got it. 
Everybody else should be clapping on that one too, okay? I don't know. I, I don't know what goes on in his head, but I'll tell you what. He's so appropriate so many times. I think God's trying to say something to you guys. So you see what encouragement does? It strengthens us. We walk into the Holy of Holies. We have direct access. We draw near. We hold fast. We do this together. That's not an individual thing. And encouragement, we just walk with people. We carry them. We strengthen them. We bring them to a place of hope. I mean, how cool is that? And when we learn to do it here, we learn to do it out there. Carrie Shrugs. I don't know how many people remember that name. 1996 Olympics. She was in the vaulting team for the U.S., She had her last two attempts, and she needed a 9.6 to secure gold for the team. If you remember, she ran down the first time in her first attempt. She hits, she turns her ankle, she falls back down before regaining her composure. Didn't score very high. And everybody could see she was visibly hurt. Her coach is in the corner. And what's her coach saying? He's encouraging her. He says, you can do this. I know you're hurt. I know you want to quit. So she walks to the line and she's going to jump again. She runs towards the vault. She hits it. She jumps. She lands both feet perfectly, but immediately raises her foot in pain. In fact, she tried walking off the mat, but her coach had to come and carry her off. But because she landed with both feet perfectly before she raised the foot, she scored a 9.712, securing the goal for the team. In an interview, she was asked how she did that. Her response, I kept my eye on the coach. I kept my eye on the coach. We all have a coach here this morning. His name is Jesus. Listen to what Hebrews says in chapter 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, talking about all the people in the Old Testament, talk about all the people before us, we got to hear their stories. They encourage us by their legacy. Let us also lay aside every weight, things that slow us down, and sin, which clings so closely. And let us run with endurance the race that's set before us. And again, you note the us there, the we. It's not an isolated, individualistic thing. And in America, we have a hard time with that concept of community. Then it says, looking to Jesus, keeping our eyes, eyes staring at Jesus. Why? Because he's the founder, he's the author and perfecter of our faith. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Think about how discouraged he was in the garden when he wept tears saying, Lord, take this from me if you can. Think about how he fell on the cross when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's been there, done that. And now he's walking us right in to see his dad. Consider him, think about him, strategically think about him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Keep your eyes on Jesus. 
You want to be encouraged? Fix your eyes on your coach, Jesus. But you say, I can't see Jesus. Then allow these witnesses around you to point out, there he is. Walk this way. We'll walk with you. We'll carry you if necessary. But always walk towards Jesus. Walk into the Holy of Holies. Hold fast. Draw near. And Jesus says, listen, I will come alongside and I'm going to walk with you. I will lift you up. I will carry you if necessary. That's the kind of God of encouragement that we have. Amen. Here's how I want to close this morning. I realize some of you have come with pretty heavy hearts this morning. There are situations, there are circumstances that some people know about, others don't. There's always a lot of things that we carry in our hearts and we hide and we don't have to. I know we're afraid if we tell somebody, someone's going to come along and make fun of us. Guess what? That will always happen. But for every one person that's going to make fun of you, there's going to be 10 that are going to surround you and they're going to hold you up. So I want us to encourage one another this morning and we're going to close with a prayer time. I'm going to ask Brian to come and just play very quietly on the piano. And if you need to be encouraged, I'm going to ask you to come down front and just stand there and then some people will surround you. If you're in the balcony, just kind of come down the aisles and there's a little space there and people will come out, they'll lay hands on you and they're going to pray for you. So as Brian plays, um, just going to invite you to come. If you're discouraged, if you're down, if you need someone to come alongside and then people will surround you and we're going to spend a time in prayer. So anybody want to come? Again, in the balcony, just kind of crowd the aisles out. Down here, we have the altar. Any others? Here comes some more. And again, as they come, if you know them, if you don't know them, just kind of surround them, lay hands on them. Anyone in the balcony, just kind of Fill in the aisles. And while I'm talking, you guys just start praying for them. Don't wait on me. One of the ways we encourage is to just call on Jesus for them. need some encouragement. It's often funny how afraid we are to come forward because we think, what will people think? Well, people are going to just think that you need some help.
Father God, we thank you that uh, we have direct access to you. I pray for those that have come forward who um, need your strength. I pray that they sense your spirit doing that even this very moment. And I realize for many it's, it's going to be a long journey, so may we help them just stare you down. Thank you this morning, Lord. We have direct access. Uh, we don't realize how precious it is at times, but may we use it. Teach us what it means to draw near and hold fast. Teach us what it means to encourage, to strengthen, to build up each other. I pray for those of us that need that, Lord. May, may we just get rid of our pride and say, help. So often we think it's about us and we're afraid of what people think or say. And I pray for all of us, Lord, that as you bring people in their lives, we love them enough to help them walk away and out of their sin. We don't fall for the lies of our culture and what they tell us and how we should be. But may we quietly, lovingly, and full of truth Come alongside and and walk with those who want to walk away from their discouragement, their depression. You've called us to be encouragers, Lord. I pray for wisdom this week as we wake up. May we be that kind of person. In a world that's full of negative whiners, may we live to an audience of one. May we celebrate what you are doing and call people to a a level of living that's beyond anything they could imagine. I pray for this place, GBC, that we be a house of encouragement, that when people walk through the door, so teach us what it means to love and to be truthful and to be wise in our words. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. We can come and draw near into your holy of holies this morning, even with these people here. We pray these things in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And everyone said, amen. Okay. You're dismissed.